Good afternoon, everyone. Are you ready for round three? This is round three, the third session of our Apostolic Summit. We're continuing to talk about fatherhood, and I want to um, give, a, give some guidelines for fathers, for spiritual fathers, rather. So specifically, these are guidelines for spiritual fathers. And then we're going to look at what is a true father. What is a true father? So once we go through these guidelines, we're going to look at how you can tell who is your father, who your father is. I mean, you should have enough by now to be able to have a good idea. So first guideline, looking at your notes, every spiritual father or every father, in fact, both spiritual and natural, this is effective, but we're dealing with spiritual fathers. So every father must represent the fatherhood of God. Every father must represent the fatherhood of God. That's clear. Secondly, mothering is born out of fatherhood because mothering has to do with bringing up children with affection and care. Paul said to uh, the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, NIV version, he said, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. So mothering is born out of fatherhood. Third point, fathers must identify their sons and their daughters, I'll add, and nurture them. Now we're going to touch on daughters um, later on. But fathers must identify their sons specifically as well as their daughters and nurture them. It is important that as a father, if, if you are a father, you are able to know who your sons are. First of all, who your children are, then who your sons are, and then who your daughters are. Now, again, this is not to do with gender. When I say sons and daughters. We'll explain later. Um, fourth point. Fathers must receive their sons as they would Christ. They must receive their sons as they would Christ. Very important principle. As a father, you are not superior to your sons. Paul said to the Romans, Romans 15, 7, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. We receive each other like we would receive Christ and like the way Christ receives us. So fathering is not from a place of superiority, but servanthood. It's very important. Fifth point, fathers must acknowledge that they are both a father and a son to someone else. As a father, you have to be able to recognize that you are also a son. You don't come to a place of fatherhood and cease being a son. It's very, very important. When we look at sonship, we'll see why, important, why it's important to live your life as a son continuously. Six point. Fathers must see their primary responsibilities towards their sons as raising them up to be fathers. So the, the mandate of fathers is to raise their sons up to be their equal. 
Just as it is within the Godhead, father and son are equal. Father is not superior in, in essence to son. Although the son subordinates himself to the father. He says, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he knew he was equal with God. However, he made himself of no reputation and became a servant. And that's the kind of mindset. And he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the mindset fathers must adopt. That they raise their sons up to eventually where their sons are their equal. And in some areas, even the son will be superior to them. But they are still fathers. Seven point. Fathers must first minister to the spiritual needs of their sons. When we're talking about spiritual fathering, the primary responsibility of a spiritual father is to the spiritual needs, not the natural needs. Paul said to the Corinthians, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? You see, it's important that we understand that fathering does not necessarily mean that you're going to be able to cater for every need in those that you are ministering to. Or even you should cater for every need. No. It's not necessarily, in fact, it's not your responsibility, for instance, as a spiritual father, to look after somebody else's children and pay for their school fees. Now, if you want to do that out of the graciousness of your heart, that's great. But that's not the mandate that you're given. In fact, at times, people think that the mandate of the church is to minister to every need in the church. It's not. It's to minister to the vulnerable within the church, but it's to minister to the spiritual needs, first of all, within the church. And then to minister to the vulnerable, like the orphans and widows and in the church. In other words, those who have no hope, who can't look after themselves. They are the ones, primarily, the church is be responsible for. Can you say amen or ouch? <clears throat> All right. Eighth point. Fathers must father out of love because love is the foundation in how we raise sons. We are to raise sons primarily out of the lens of love, and we're going to touch on that later on. Ninth point. Fathers must administrate their fivefold ministries from a vantage point of fatherhood. Whatever anointing you carry, especially when you are operating as an elder or as a deacon, it must come from a place of fathering. For that anointing to have its full expression, it must come from a place of fathering. Like we touched on, Paul said to the Corinthians, you have many instructors, but you have few fathers. Tenth point, fathers must always bear in mind that they are also brothers to their sons. They are brothers. We are to honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We are to recognize we're brothers. So as I'm raising up my natural son, my biological son, as he's, when, he, when he hit, hit the age of 16, sometimes I'll talk to him and I'll say, bro, my friend, bro, what are you doing? As he's, growing, and as he's growing older and as he's getting wiser and as he's getting stronger, I talk to him, I relate to him as an equal. So I reason with him. When he was young, I said, my friend, just do this. But now, 
I said, Danny, can you do this, please? Now, why? Because he needs to come into his own without being intimidated by his strong father. And so I have to humble myself so that he's secure in himself. So he's also able to open up some dark secrets of his life and tell me what's going on. Now, I'm, not sure, I'm sure he doesn't tell me everything. You know, it would be nice, but I'm sure he doesn't. <laughs> but the point is, is that you have to recognize that your sons are your brothers, if, especially spiritually. 11, fathers must recognize that not, now this is not in your notes, so I'm adding this bit. Fathers must recognize that not all their spiritual children are sons. Some are daughters. Now, what is a spiritual daughter? What is a spiritual daughter? So, before we go into this, there are three types of application of daughters that I see in the scripture. Firstly, those, the, um, the female man, naturally speaking, men and women, boys and girls. That's clear. None of this gender neutral nonsense, binary nonsense. It's just confusion. I said it. There, there's that. Then there is the natural sons and daughters who get born again. So, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So after we're born again, all of us as children of God, we are male and female as children of God in his kingdom. We are sons and daughters, which refers to the masculine and the feminine, um, the natural side within the kingdom. But then you have spiritual daughters and spiritual sons, and that is different. And when we look at sonship, we'll, we'll explain more about what it means to be a son. Now, spiritual sons and spiritual daughters ha have nothing to do with gender. It has to do with function and purpose. So, the function of a daughter, because that's what I want to highlight on briefly, is that they are raised in the house in order to leave the house. So, spiritual daughters are those children who carry the name of their father but are not supposed to remain in the house. That eventually, they will leave the house, the spiritual home that they're a part of, and become a son to somebody else. The son abides forever. That's what our Lord said. The son remains forever in the family. But daughters leave to become part of another house. So spiritual daughters, you can have a man who says daughter. He's your child, but he's not your son. He's your daughter. He's going to leave and go somewhere else and become a son in that house. And you can have a woman who's a son. And they remain forever carrying the family name, doing the family business. Are you still here? Ask your neighbor, are you a son or a daughter? <laughs> now both are, listen to me, both are important. Listen carefully. See the principle in scripture. Daughters are in sons. And sons produce daughters. Or daughters become sons. I'll put it that way. Daughters are in sons. 
and daughters. Just like the first daughter came out of who? A son, Adam. And then what did she do afterwards? Produce sons. So the principle of the daughter or the concept of being a spiritual daughter is not negative. Actually, scripturally speaking, the word daughter is very interesting. It is, it is translated apple of the eye. Apple of the eye. That word daughter is translated apple of the eye. The Hebrew word bath, B-A-T-H, apple of the eye. It speaks of somebody that the father cherishes and is precious to the, daughter, to the father. In other words, the spiritual daughter is somebody that is like a prized possession of the father that he eventually has to let go of. Because she is not his. She belongs to somebody else. Are you still there? <laughs> Psalm 78, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. That word apple of the eye is actually the same Hebrew word bath. Keep me and protect me and make me precious. And so forth, other scriptures there. So, the point that I want you to see is that spiritual daughters are precious in God's economy, but they don't belong in your house forever. So, you are either a son in this house or a daughter who will leave eventually and become somebody else's son. Hallelujah. Let's move on quickly. <laughs> Twelve point. Fathers, and this is the last one, fathers must be willing to release both spiritual sons and spiritual daughters as and when appropriate. Now let me explain something. The release of spiritual sons, the dynamic is different to the release of spiritual daughters. The release of spiritual sons is where they leave the house, but they don't leave the family. They leave the house to begin their own house. But they don't leave the family because a son abides forever. In other words, sons always remain in their family. Servants don't, some sons do. So you release your son because he's now grown up to begin his own family and his own house. But he carries your name and continues your legacy. So you release your sons because you realize they've come of age to be released. Now, sometimes you can release a son in the church context. They're still part of that church, but they're not functioning as dependent sons. They're functioning as interdependent sons. They're functioning as fathers. I have the privilege of some of my sons who are now fathers, like Reverend Martin and um, um, Reverend um, Pete, um, Peter Mensah, Apostle Peter Mensah and um, Reverend um, um, Philip Ancra. These are some of my sons. Now, they are also fathers in their own right. So I do not relate to them as dependent sons. I relate to them as interdependent sons and fathers in their own right because they are grown up now. It's like my 18-year-old, he's going to be 25 one day, 30 one day. He can't be still getting pocket money. Are you still there? At a certain time, that kind of stuff, even now, is kind of stopping. 
You know, he can't be still, you know, needing me to pray for him before he goes to bed. I, I haven't done that for a long time anyway. Now, I do that for my seven-year-old, pray for him before he goes to bed. But I don't even do that for my 13-year-old anymore. Why? Because at a certain time, you have to let them, you have to let it go. And it's the same spiritually. Now, some people, some fathers relate to all their sons the same. It's a big mistake. You can't relate to all your sons the same because they are not the same. I do not relate to my seven-year-old the way I relate to my 13-year-old, and I do not relate to my 13-year-old the way I relate to my 18-year-old because there are different stages of development, and my expectation of them is different. It's the same spiritually. Sons leave their father's house to begin their own family whilst remaining part of their father's family. John 8, 35. That's the scripture I keep referring to. Whilst daughters leave their father's house and are no longer part of his family, even though they will forever be impacted by his name. So they'll carry his nature, but they will not carry his, um, but they will not um, continue his name. They will not continue his name. And I know some of you like this hyphen business, but spiritually there's no hyphen business. When I was marrying my wife, she said, your name, her name was Sutherland, a very nice Western name. My name was Buedu. She, she said, maybe style it Bordeaux. I said, there ain't no Bordeaux. There ain't no Bordeaux, it's Buedu. She said, what about Sutherland Bordeaux? I said, there ain't no Sutherland, anyone. That dies, it ends. When you say I do. So you better know what you're saying I do too. <laughs> yeah, we have to be clear about some things. I mean, she was blessed. She was just teasing me. She was happy to take on Bodu. That they all call Bodu. Anyway, let me just move on. All right. Help me with the time. Let's talk about what is a true father. What is a true father? Again, let's read... 1 Corinthians 14, sorry, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 to 17. Help me with the time, thank you. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So how to determine who is your spiritual father, who your spiritual father is. First thing, they gave birth to you in some way. They gave birth to you. So they brought you into something new. Something significant and new that you are able to now live in. Second point is you bear their name. In other words, you carry their characteristics, their characteristics, maybe in how you speak, in how you teach, in how you believe, in how you live your life, in how you pray, in how you handle challenges. There is a significant element of what will so-and-so do when they're in this context? That's some of the keys. Third point is they are a source of reference for you. So when you are stuck, and you think, this is a puzzle I can't deal with. You say, let's go to so-and-so. 
you always have that person as the reference, the final reference, the, the strong concordance, the vine's commentary. That's that person. Four, you look to them for protection. So when you're vulnerable and you're, you're finding that you're under attack and you feel like you're facing something you can't deal with, they're the ones you run to. They're, it's like after God, there's them. You go to God, but at times you go to God with them. Let's go to God together because I'm not feeling so secure right now. They provide resource for you in order for you to become what you are meant to be. So through them, you are resourced to become the man or the woman you have been called by God to become. They are the primary resource that God uses in terms of the input of individuals into your life. Six point. They provide guidance for you. So there are individuals, you get guidance from everywhere else, but when it comes to the input they get from you, that is like the final yardstick. Aside from God, of course. Seven point, they are compassionate and caring towards you. They are individuals that you know, whatever mess you've fallen into, you can bring it to them and they will help you through it. Eight, they provide a family context for you to grow in. They, through their life and their impact, there's an environment for you to develop. And I'll add one or two more. Number nine, they are the ones you allow to discipline you. They are the only ones who can tell you, shut your mouth. And you don't say, stop swearing. You say, hey, that's a bit strong, but you still keep your mouth shut. If, you have, if there's nobody who can tell you, keep quiet, there's something wrong with you. And number 10, they celebrate your successes. And they stand with you in your failures. They celebrate your successes and they stand with you in your failure. They don't abandon you. Ah, you're a son who's disgraced my name. Ah, 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 what have you done? Ah, 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 you've committed fornication. You've, what, you've stolen. You're going to jail. I, I, you're not my son anymore. No, no, no. They will go with you. They will stand with you in your mess, in your disgrace. Your disgrace becomes theirs. They are glad to associate with you in your disgrace and in your shame. So these are how you can tell. So if that televangelist qualifies, he's your father. If that preacher, that anointed man or woman of God, if they fit this, they're your father. But whoever fits that, that's your father. May you honor them as such. I said, may you honor them as such. I don't think we'll have time to talk about how you honor fathers, not in this one, because we, we, I don't have the time for that. So I'm sorry. And don't ask me, how do you honor fathers? And then I, please. But let's just deal with what we're dealing with. So let's talk about how long have I got? 12 minutes, yeah? Yeah, don't say it for them to hear in case we go over. Oh, my friend, it's supposed to be a code. All right. 
Let's talk about the responsibilities of fathers. Now, I've already, in a way, alluded to all of it. So I'm kind of, in a way, summarizing what I've already shared. First responsibility is not in order of importance. They provide a home for their family. Fathers provide a home. What's a home? A safe environment for development, for the development and welfare of their children. Fathers provide a home. Two, fathers provide leadership to their family. They provide leadership to their family. Three, they teach and instruct their children. They teach and instruct their children. Four, I'm going through this, all right? Yeah, kind of self-explanatory. I don't need to elaborate. Okay, thanks. Um, (laughs) Fathers invest their name in their children, in their sons and their daughters, but especially in their sons. They invest in their daughters and sons equally, but the daughters leave and they continue to invest in their sons. In other words, they input and release in them the anointing, the strength, the wisdom, the grace that God has put in them into their children. Five, they develop and release their daughters to others. They develop and release their daughters. They don't hold on to their daughters. They wait for their daughters to be 68. Now you can go. They release their daughters when their daughters are at their prime. Ready and flourishing. That's when they release them. Not when they've taken everything out. They say, now you can go. Three years left before Jesus calls you, you could go. <laughs> Remember, this is spiritual business, not natural. We're not talking physical, so stop thinking physical. <laughs> Six point. Fathers discipline their children in love. Discipline is the establishing of boundaries. It's so important that fathers are able to place boundaries with all their children. One of the reasons why Adonijah could have the guts whilst David was still alive to say, I will be king. Not can I be king. I will be king. Says that David never, ever corrected him. Never spoke to him and said to him, what are you doing? Never did that with him. Therefore, he grew up thinking he could do whatever he likes. And nobody on this earth can do whatever they like. Even our Lord Jesus could not do whatever he wanted. If you are a son or a daughter, if you're a child of God, who has it in their mind, as for me, I can do whatever I like. Nobody can tell me what to do. You are not wise. That's one way of putting it nicely. What's the other way? Yeah, you said it. Seven point. Fathers are quick to receive their wayward sons and daughters. They are quick. It's not they string them on. Are you really repentant? Are you sure? No, 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 no. I need some evidence. Is that how God deals with you when you repent? You know, sometimes... When my children, it's interesting, especially my daughter. I mean, the lady, they're they're amazing. But my daughter, when she's done something wrong, 
And I said, well, you know, you don't have to be punished for this. She said, Dad, forgive me. I said, I forgive you. She said, yeah, but forgive me. Jesus forgives us. <laughs> and when he forgives us, you know, he's forgiven. So please, Dad, you have to forgive me. My friend, I have to. Yes, Dad, remember the Lord. Hey! So I said, you know all this wisdom. And he still did that. And I said, you're right. I have to forgive you. But there are consequences. We have to teach you restitution. <laughs> I haven't said that to her yet, but I think I will. <clears throat> Let me move on. But no, it's important. How you receive your wayward sons is important. We'll touch on that hopefully soon. Ninth point. Eighth point, sorry. Fathers protect the integrity of their family by precept and conduct. In other words, they do not say things or do things that undermines the integrity of the family, that causes the family to become fractured. You cannot be talking a certain way, swearing and shouting at their mother and shouting whenever you're feeling hungry and then expect them not to also shout at their mother. And shout at each other. You cannot be living a hypocritical life and expect the family fabric to be maintained. It doesn't work that way. So, a true father will protect. He said, This temptation that I'm in right now, it's not worth it. Look at what David did. By his behavior with Bathsheba, he destroyed his family. He destroyed whatever dysfunction that was already there. He created a far worse dysfunction where the sword would never leave his family because of what he did. Ninth point. Fathers are willing to sacrifice their best for their sons and daughters. Their best. You know, growing up in a West African context, um, we were trained to see things like this. The father got the best meat. Anyone know what I'm talking about? The best meat was reserved for the father. So I lived in a village for a few years, and when the chicken was killed, we got the head <laughs> and the neck and the feet, not the thigh, <laughs> the feet. <laughs> And the, the, the fathers got their fat bits with the meat. And anyone know what I'm talking about? It's called bad fathering. It's bad fathering. You don't need all that protein. The children need that. You can deal with the leg and the neck. They need the protein in, when you are chomping without belly, chomping, chomping. And look at your skinny children. Look at that. Look at that. Honestly. Oh, I tell you. There is insanity in some of the ways we've been brought up. So you grow up thinking, yeah, that's how fathers. And that's why these African dictators behaved so stupidly. Because they haven't been fathered. I mean, how can you think it through? If you're going to steal, steal wisely. <laughs> I mean, you find that they stole... Not like a million. Say the, 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 the grant was, say, 
10 billion to pave a road from here, let's say, to um, um, East London. Not East London, West London. They won't steal, like, say, 1% of 10 billion, which is like 10 million. They will steal 10 billion. Who can spend 10 billion? An African dictator. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Not just Africans. It's all over the place. But, but some of our people uh, um, don't steal wisely. I mean, let's just move on. I'm, I'm strained. I'm strained. I'm talking about the fact that fathers are willing to sacrifice their best for their sons and daughters. Ten point. Fathers loves the mother of his children with a passion. In the natural and also spiritually. Now, the mother spiritually of your children is the church. So true fathers love the church with a passion. But in the natural as well, a true father will love the mother of his children with a passion. Now, if you have more than one mother of your children, then of course, the one you're married to is the one you're married to. You know, because... Because, you know, you have to be wise, you know. You can't love all of them with a passion. It will create confusion. But other than that, are you still here? <laughs> other than that, they love the mother of the children with a passion. Why? Because they're teaching their children, this is how you love. This is how you handle a woman. And, this is, and the mothers also show by how they receive the love, this is how you allow yourself to be loved. Some people don't know how to be loved. You say, hey, I love you. <laughs> don't stop here. I love you. Oh, shush. What do you mean, shush? I said I love you. <laughs> because you haven't been fathered properly. You're supposed to actually say, and I love you too. Also, me too. It's because there's something wrong. That's, that's supposed, it's like when you itch, you scratch. It's the same way. When you need to be loved, you express love. But if there is a dysfunction, I love you, honey. Shh, not for the children. I didn't say let's have sex. I said I love you, honey. Honestly, not in front of the children. Really. 11 point. <laughs> Fathers, one of your responsibility is to prepare for the future enterprise of his children. The future enterprise of his children. Your children must have hope because you create hope for them. When your children failed your exams, now's not the time for you to say, ah, you failed. You are, I feel sorry for you and your future. Oh boy, it's going to be a hard life you've got. No! You say, don't worry about it, I'm here. It's not going to be, don't worry, you failed, but you, you Retake. I'll help you along the way. I will help you. Don't worry. Because sometimes children feel, I'm not going to ever get a job. You tell them, you will get a job. Even if I have to create one for you, you will work. But I'm not going to give you a job if you're not, you don't study. You have to study. Come on, let's do it. And you help them. You create hope in your children, not fear. When we were younger, we were told, you will regret it. I used to hear that phrase. You will regret it. At the age of nine, eight, I understood regret. You will regret it. <laughs> Hi. Because if you watch too much telly, you will regret it. Thank you. If you did, you will regret anything nice, you will regret it. 
That's not how you do it. There's a time to play and a time to work. Amen? 12 point. Fathers and Is it 12 point? 12 point. No, it's 12. It's 12. You've missed one. Fathers empower their sons to become their equal. We've already touched on that. 13. Fathers leave. Is it? Have I got my numbers wrong? Okay, two 11s. Okay, fine. Well, next point. Fathers leave a godly legacy for their children to follow. All right, I think that's self-explanatory. So we'll stop there for questions, please. Questions? Oh, no questions. Okay, um, Pastor Pete. Could you elaborate on that, um, that daughter-son thing? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. What do you want me to say? That I, I haven't know, said. I'll just explain it a bit more. I'll just, okay. I'm trying to... Okay, so uh, I just, I'm just going to, in a way, repeat myself, but it's fine. If, so there are three types of, um, the three ways in which I see in Scripture daughters are referred to. The natural daughter, in terms of naturally men and women, um, boys and girls, um, the offspring of um, a female offspring is a daughter. The second is where People are born again into the kingdom of God, both men and women, and they're referred to as sons and daughters by God the Father. And then the third is the spiritual type, where it has to do with function, based on the principle of what a daughter is in the natural. Daughters in the natural are developed in order to be released to a husband. Yeah? That's naturally how it works. Spiritually, we raise our daughters to be released to their spiritual husband, Christ, and whatever he has for them. Now, the way it works is, is this. Just, like, just as our spiritual sons is not to do with gender, it's not natural, so our spiritual daughters is not natural. Spiritually speaking, our spiritual sons are to remain forever within the context of God's purposes for, our, for their lives. So whatever anointing or ministry that you carry, you're supposed to perpetuate it in your sons. That is why we can preach the gospel today because through that, from our Lord's day, through Peter and all of those guys, it's passed on somehow to us today. Right. So whatever you're carrying today, there are sons that God wants to perpetuate what you are carrying. 300 years from here, if the Lord hasn't returned, they will perpetuate what you are carrying. Just like you are perpetuating what somebody carried that you may have no idea of. You understand? But not all the children you give birth to are supposed to do that. There are many of your children, probably the majority of your children, that are not supposed to do that. They are raised through you in order to perpetuate the anointing and the graces of others as well. You see, and they are the ones we refer to as daughters because they are functioning the way daughters in the natural function spiritually. Is that clear? Yeah, that's it. Right? I hope it's not about daughters, please. We're talking about sons, father-son today, not father-sons and daughters. My father just had a daughter bit. Sorry, in, in that context oh, then. Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Would you shed some light on the scripture that talks about the man leaving and cleaving. Sure. Because if we're talking about the woman, 
she's the one that leaves the house. Um, not my daughter, but anyway, if the woman leaves the house, then um, <laughs> could you... <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Would you share some, uh, uh, share some light on, on that? And also, secondly, second question, please. Would you be kind enough to dispel the myths, if there are any, about the son being more important than the daughter? Yeah, that's for that one. It's easily dispelled. In the natural and also in the spiritual, there is no such thing as men, men be more important than women or women be more inferior to men or sons be more important and, and daughters be less important. But it, the context is everything. So, if you want to perpetuate your name, you don't perpetuate your name through your daughters, scripturally speaking. You perpetuate it through your sons. Now, again, I want to repeat. It is not about gender. It's about function, all right? So, sons or our spiritual children that God, in his wisdom, has ordained to become somebody else's son, if you want to do what God wants you to do, you have to raise them up so that they can leave. Otherwise, anything else, you are now embracing Babylon because it's a form of witchcraft. It's a form of control, okay? So those children that are supposed to leave the house, the family, not just the house, the family, are functioning as daughters because that's the function of daughters. Just like in God's divine economy and wisdom, the daughter is to leave. And in the scripture, you find there's a negative example where Moses in the law says that when a daughter has been basically, the, father's, the, the husband's abusing her, and then it's, the father can go and say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man, and this is what he's done to her, and the man is held to account. You understand? So the fact of the matter is that as a culture, the Jewish culture of that day, and a culture is still the same today, universally, in almost every culture I can think of, where the daughters, um, when they're married, they leave to be with their husband. The husband or the man leaves his father's house to set up his family, and he finds his wife and joins her to himself, and they become one and build a house together. So that is the context in which daughters, um, um, sons and daughters are supposed to be. And so male men who are daughters, spiritual daughters, are those brothers who God will cause you to raise them up, but they are not supposed to remain with you or carry what you are carrying into the rest of their life. They are with you for a season, and then they will move on. For, and that's part of God's economy. That's how it is. Yeah. Is that clear? Go and meditate. I, I, I can't have got more to say, but that's it. Go figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean I don't have any more to say. Okay, Enoch, sorry, and then this lady. I think the confusion probably arises because we're using um, analogies that are sort of they're similar, but they're different dynamics. So you're trying to, I think probably what Austin is asking is in the marital context, whereas we are talking about um, destiny functions. 
as opposed to marital functions. So in the marital context, for example, um, the word says that husbands are to, are to love the wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. We're talking about how fathers sacrifice um, for, for their, their, their children. But then it says that the wives, they are to respect their husbands. They are to submit to their husbands and respect um, their the, the husband. So there's a subservience that goes there. So in terms of what the, the father carries, the, the, the daughter would subscribe to that and carry it on, as you're saying. You, you, you with me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so if you mix the two, you get confused. All right? If you mix the two, you get confused. When the son leaves, he's not leaving the father's dynamic. He's going to perpetuate what the father is, is perpetuating. Whereas when the daughter leaves, she is going to submit herself to a new father, respect the new father, and perpetuate what is in the new father. Yeah, and she Do submits you get herself to a new father as a son. As a son. That's right. All right? Okay. That's it. Thank you for that clarity. Why are you laughing, some of you? He's, he's giving clarity. It's fantastic. Man of God. Now he's gone anyway. He's gone somewhere. Anyone else? Sorry. Yes. Um, it just a bit. It's a bit difficult. To, it's not so clear. Now you have a son and you have a daughter. Okay. Can you hear I wish me? I hadn't brought this up can now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Right. You, you have to use a mic. Like yeah, you have a son and a daughter. Mm -hmm. The son marry and he moves on. But he's still attached to the family and helping, as you said. The daughter, she marry, but she has to go and find her own way with a new family. But there's sometimes the daughter still stays and she does the role you're speaking about because some sons disappear. So it's a bit confusing what is Yeah, saying. I don't want us to get carried away with the I'm not carried away. No, 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 I'm not talking about you, um, yeah. auntie, sister. I'm talking generally. We're not stretching the analogy too far. Mm -hmm. It's to do with function in the church. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about natural mm -hmm. um, uh, marriages and natural father and daughter. We're not talking about We're doing, dealing with specific functions. Yes, even in the church, you would see daughters still. No, I'm not talking female. I'm not talking um, um, female daughters. I'm not talking that. It's not about gender. It's not about that. But you said so. You said that they, they go, they marry or whatever and they go to the no, other family. No, in order to bring out a spiritual truth, that's what Enoch was referring to. What I am saying is, is this. Men and women are referred to as sons and daughters. Men are referred to as sons. Mm -hmm. Men are also referred to as daughters. Mm -hmm. Women are referred to as sons. Mm -hmm. Women are also referred to as daughters. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what does it mean for a man when he's referred to as a daughter? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean for a woman when she's referred to as a son? Mm -hmm. That's what we're explaining. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Any other question about something else? <laughs> no, just wanted to say that the scripture actually says in the kingdom of God, there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, born nor free, male nor female. Thanks for that. Thank you. Um, no, sir. 
Let's hope it's about something else. Uh, thank you. Um, where you say fathers must identify their sons and nurture them, how do you identify your sons, especially if you didn't give birth to a son? The relationship you have with them. And when we go into sonship, I'll give more clarity. But the relationship that you have with your spiritual children will cause you to recognize who are your sons and who are your children and who are your daughters. Any other questions? Yes, sister. Is it possible for the father not to recognize the spiritual children? Yes, it's possible in the realms of reality. In one sense, all things are possible. But the truth of the matter is a, a seasoned father will recognize his children. Just like when I have children, I mean, I can tell if this is my child. One, they kind of look a bit like me. Improved version, hopefully, but they look like me. And I remember when I was given, I was in the process in order for them to be birthed, I was involved. So they look like me, and I, I remember the process. <laughs> Spiritually, it's the same. Spiritually, it's the same. There will be a process. That's what I'm saying about relationship. Let me tell you why I said that. All right. I, I, can, I, I know many reasons why you say that. But you can tell me okay, why you right. said it. Okay, so I came to the ark. So I said to Pastor Nimbard, he's my spiritual father. Okay. At the time, Pastor was like, he's not into this spiritual <laughs> sons and father thing, right? But based upon the fact that the ark is a radical church, and I'm a radical, I understand how I fit perfectly in the ark. So you are my spiritual father, Pastor Nimbard. Well, there you go. You've been told. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let me, I'm not going to go there today. I will just talk and everything will correct itself. Um, other people, please. Others. Okay, there's no other. Is there any others? Okay. Right, Pastor George, last question. Is it possible that yes, the son yeah, course, doesn't look anything like the father? Yes, it's possible. All things are possible. Yeah, okay, no, children. No. Children. It's possible that children don't look like their father, but not sons. I'm talking spiritually. I'm talking spiritual sons will look like their father. But spiritual children, not all your children will look like you. In fact, even scripturally, you know, it says that um, Adam gave birth to Seth, right? Um, his third son in his image and likeness, Right? The implication that I read into it is that there were others he had given birth to that was like nothing like him. So there was Cain, there was Abel, and then whatever happened between them, and he was 130 when he gave birth to Seth. So I don't think that after Cain and Abel, he just waited. There were others. But Seth, was the, after he gave birth to Cain and Abel, was the, one, the son that was like him. That's what I read into it. Yes, Michael. Okay, sorry about this because it's sons and daughters again. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, as a, spirit, as a spiritual father, mm. how do you recognize 
who is a spiritual son and who is a spiritual daughter because you were saying that a daughter is someone who is with you for a season. So how do you identify that, first of all? My other question is, if you consider yourself a spiritual son, but then there is a calling comes upon you or a prophecy given to you, do you now think, oh, I must be a spiritual daughter then? Mm -hmm. Sure. I think for me, first of all, in terms of how you recognize a son or a daughter, I think a lot of these things are organic. I mean, let's not stretch the analogy too far, okay? So naturally, you can tell if someone's a boy or a girl and so forth. But we're dealing with spiritual issues here. And spiritual issues, you have to allow certain dynamics to be in play. I think the first and foremost point any father should have is a, 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 a culture of acceptance, unconditional love to all his children. Right? So you don't come from a place of, well, I'm only going to invest in the sons because they're going to perpetuate my name, etc. Right? Because that's, that's not the way of fathering. Unconditional love towards all your children. And as you input into them over time, it becomes clear over time those that God has called to be, as given to you as sons, and those who are not. Right? And it's as deep as that. So you input into everyone unconditionally. You help everyone to develop unconditionally. But don't get caught up with, are you a son or are you a daughter? Don't get caught up in that because I think it's a distraction. The reason why I highlighted that point was just to emphasize a reality that daughters are not irrelevant. It was just really to highlight that point that there is a, a dynamic of daughters as well as sons. Okay? But, and, but I didn't want to go into it too much. You understand? So that's that. What's the second part of your question? Um, if, so you consider yourself a son. Okay, and then you have a prophecy. And Good. Right. Like everything else, it has to be weighed with the whole counsel of God. If you know by revelation that this is my father and I'm his son, not just his child, right, then God ain't going to give you a prophecy that will undermine that dynamic. You understand? So if God now says, okay, I want you now to go to Timbuktu, as a son, you know part of that responsibility is to continue whatever it is that God has put into you through your father. Now, not everybody's going to plant a church, but everybody might, let's, for me, one of my key, my key things is discipleship. It's not even church planting like a lot of these characters think. It's discipleship. That's my church members. They all think he just wants us all to plant churches. Isn't that so? Yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, it's discipleship is my, my key thing. So if my sons were leaving my, uh, my environment, so to speak, my issue would not be go and plant a church. My issue would be what do you think God wants you to do? Because I have sons that have left our church and left this country, but are still very much in strong connection as sons. They go to other churches now, but they're still very much in connection as sons. In fact, some of them, they tithe half of it, the gift to the church they're in, and half of it they give to our church. Initially, when they first went, they were giving all of it to our church, and then at the same point, they, they felt, now it's time to give half. But they never felt, I've left the church now, so now, no, because they realized that the dynamic, the relationship is still there. We're still inputting, they're still inputting, they're still live, they still input into the life of CLF, but they are not attending a CLF church, even though where they are, there are CLF churches. They don't attend it because those churches, it's not their house. It's their family, but it's not their house. You see, their house is back here. 
And so they've joined a local church that suits their context without leaving the family. So it's all about relationship at the end of the day. It's relationship. You see, remember, father-son relationship is, um, is about, a father-son model is about a context of relationship within discipleship. <clears throat> and so that, that is very, very important. It's about relationships within the context of discipleship. Yeah? All right. Okay, I think, where is um, Emmanuel? Okay, sorry, sister. Yes, um, just back to you again. Um, no problem. My question that I gave is actually what this brother said, the first, first question. Okay. And now I got the answer. Maybe Thank you. Maybe I spoke it or interpreted it wrong, but that's the, his first question. Sure. That's what I, what I meant okay. to ask. Okay, Thank you. Thank you.